Well, amen. Good morning. Praise God. Are you alive today? Are you breathing? Amen. <laughs> it's good to praise the Lord. And it's good to enjoy His love and His presence as we've been enjoying here this morning. Welcome to our new series, XOXO. You know, when you write messages and you send, you know, kisses and hugs, for those of you who don't know anyway, I think everybody these days is familiar with texts. And uh, it's a new month, hallelujah, second month of the year. It's almost Christmas, eh? <laughs> and uh, in this month, of course, February is known as the month of love, you know, and so we'll be taking time to look at relationships this month, a brand new series, XOXO, and in this series, we'll look at four different kinds of love that we are called to. <clears throat> there are many different kinds of love and different ways we love people, different relationships that we enjoy with others, and so we're going to be looking at love your neighbor, love your friend, love your enemy, oh, that's going to be a good one, and of course... The most challenging one of all, love your spouse. <laughs> all right, okay. If you, don't, if you didn't laugh, it's because you know what it's all about. You'll get there, don't worry. But <laughs> love is a universal language. There is a universal need. Everybody has a need to love and to be loved. And there are healthy ways to love and to be loved. And unfortunately, there are many unhealthy ways to love and be loved. Now, God is a God of love, amen? We sing about it all the time. Christianity is the religion of love because the Bible says that God is love. And so, let's let the Bible guide us in our relationships. And today, in part one, we're going to be looking at love your neighbor, okay? Love your neighbor. Our text comes from Mark chapter 12, verses uh, 28 to 34. Now, in this text, okay, Jesus is having a conversation. He's teaching in the temple. This episode happened during that last week before Jesus was crucified. Remember, he came into Jerusalem and all the multitudes came there and they were singing Hosanna, Hosanna, and so on. And of course, as Jesus went into Jerusalem, he went into the temple and he, he cleaned the temple out because the guys were using the house of God as a business place. And so by the time that that day were over, the religious leaders of Jerusalem were not impressed by Jesus. They, they wanted to do something to him. In fact, some of them wanted to kill him right there and then. And then on top of that, for a couple of days that week, Jesus would go to Jerusalem into the temple and teach over there. And so a bunch of these guys, religious leaders, Pharisees, priests, uh, Levites, and so on, uh, uh, scribes, they all came around Jesus and uh, they tried to catch him. They'd ask him trick questions and try to, to catch him, to accuse him, you know. Things like, should we pay taxes? I mean, that question is still being asked today, isn't it? <laughs> Should you pay taxes to such a... <laughs> Never mind. Jesus had an answer for everything, and they couldn't get him. They couldn't get him. Eventually, we read in verse 28, one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that Jesus answered them well, because Jesus had... Good answers, biblical answers. He was right there on top of the, with the word for them. They couldn't, you know, find, they couldn't accuse him. And so this guy asked Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? Which is the first commandment of all? Now remember, these are legal guys. These Jewish people, they live by the law. 
And, and remember that created even more laws. God gave them a set of laws. And over the centuries, these, these, these priests had created many more laws. And they had to obey all these laws. There were laws for the Sabbath. There were laws for this. And there were laws for that. And so this guy comes and says, Jesus, what is the first commandment of all? What is the greatest commandment? The greatest law? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. But then Jesus doesn't stop there. Well, so the, and, and, he, and he carries on and he says, and the second, like it, like the first one, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Words of Jesus. Well, the scribe, we had asked him this question, the teacher of the law, we had asked him this question, said, Well said, the teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more then all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So the teacher of the law understood his scripture too. And he summarized it very nicely. He's, he's talking back to Jesus, Jesus and he says, you know what? Keeping these two commandments is more important and it covers and it is greater than all the sacrifices we need to make. All the laws we have to keep. If you do these two things, it is greater than all that. Verse 34, when Jesus saw that, that he answered wisely, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one did ask Jesus any more questions after this little interaction. Now, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus responded with the Hebrew Shema. Now, Shema is a prayer that from the time of Moses, the Jewish people have been doing. Until today, they still do it. In their morning prayers and evening prayers, they declare the Shema, which comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 4 to 6. And it says, it's what Jesus basically quoted. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And so they were supposed to declare these things, learn these things, teach these things to their children. And that they did religiously. And every single day, every good Jew, every religious Jew would do and still do today, they'll declare 
the Shema. The Lord God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with your heart. Da, 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 da. And your neighbor is yourself. Well, they declare this. And now the Bible declares to us in the book of 1 John a number of times. You know, the apostle John is known as the apostle of love. I think of all the, the 12, uh, he was the one that had a better understanding of the love of Jesus. He was very close to Jesus. And he understood the love of Jesus. He was known historically, if you go back in, in history and tradition, he was known as the apostle of love. He could love like nobody's business because he followed Jesus. Not only did he hear the, the, the teachings of Jesus, he watched. He was there when Jesus died. He had a very close relationship with Jesus. And, and, and so he writes in his book very plainly that God is love. God is love. So God doesn't just have love. You and I, we kind of have love. <laughs> and some days we have more love than others, don't we? Huh? Uh, some days we run very low on love. And, and there are some people who want to do anything but love them. Or is it just me? Am I the only human in this place? <laughs> Come on. Let's be real yet. We are not love. We have love. We have some love. And for some people, we have more love than others. But God doesn't have love. God is love. His essence is love. And that's why we cannot understand God. We cannot understand how God is still allowing this planet to exist. When people are breaking so many of God's rules. Now, God does have limits. God is a righteous God. He's a just God. And if you go in Scripture, we know from time to time, time to time, the wrath of God fills up and He does give the people what they deserve. But His love far outweighs His wrath. His patience far outweighs His wrath. His justice is beyond my understanding. Because he, he gives people chance after chance after chance after chance. And I'll tell you something. The, the planet Earth, the universe, can be very glad that Valdir da Silva is not God. Because if Valdir da Silva was God, you would have pulled the channel of this project a long time ago. Hello? And I'm sure some of you would too, if you were God, the way you are right now. We cannot understand. How can God forgive certain people? How can God be righteous? How can God tolerate so much nonsense for so long? But that's the God we serve. Now, <laughs> we are followers of this God. And the Bible says that he has poured his love in our hearts. In other words, in our spirit, in the inner man. And the problem is, most of us keep God's love safely locked up in our spirit. And we don't allow it to come over and touch our soul and flow out of our bodies to the people around us. You remember the Bible says your spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, you know, your inner being, that part of you which is you know, given from God and then seeks God, includes your conscience and so forth, your soul, your choosing, thinking, and, and feeling, 
your emotions, your choices, your mind, and then, of course, your body, where everything lives inside, this, this outer shell which keeps the real you inside and allows you to live in this planet. Your body is your earth suit. Without a body, body you can't move around this earth. If your earth suit has a problem and gets torn, you, you're out of here. You can't hang around earth anymore, right? And so God's love has been given our spirit, that inner part of us. And that's why he says, you know, we must love God with all our heart, with that inner being, but also with our soul and our strength, our faculties, our mind, and our strength, our body. Love is a practical thing. It's not just an inner spiritual mystical thing. It's a tangible thing. God, when he loved us, wasn't a mystical thing, wasn't just a spiritual thing. It was a real thing. Jesus came down on this earth and he walked as a real man. He suffered real pain. He died a real death. It's a practical thing. And so we are called now to follow this God and to love God and to love others. To allow his love that is inside us to flow get through our minds, and in creative ways, find ways of loving. And so as followers of a God who is love, it stands to reason that his followers, i.e. you and me, (laughs) all right, should also in some way reflect his love to others. So, number one, Jesus declared is love God above all. That is the first commandment. Love God. Follow him. Get to know him. Get to know his ways. Learn to love according to ways that please him. And if you look around today, you find people doing all sorts of things to what? To please themselves. I want to do what's cool, man. I want to do what makes me popular. I want to do what makes me fit in with the crowd. You see, I can see the crowd, I can see my friends, I can see all the stuff on social media, I can see myself there. I can't see God. Where's God? And yet God is more real than you think. God is more real than this world around us. Remember that what we see around us was created from the realm where God is. So he's very real. And people today choose to ignore God and live for themselves. They love themselves above everything else. The challenge to you and me today, living in this crazy world we live in, is this. Number one, love God above all else. Put God, put his word, put his ways, put his morals, put his thinking above everything else. And if the world says this way and God says go that way, guess what? I won't go this way, I'll go that way because God says go that way. Oh, but everybody's going this way. Well, not me. God says that way. I'm going that way. Ah. You see, we we just finished that series about turning the world upside down. And and that is what caused the Christians to impact and, and, and have an effect in the world for the first three centuries. is because they were following Jesus instead of following the ways of the world. And I say three centuries because eventually, you know, the emperor got converted. And then it became fashion to be Christian. And everybody lost that impact. Christianity began to lose its power. Over the last couple of centuries, it's been regaining it again at, at a cost, of course. But we're living in days where you must make a choice. Who are you going to follow? 
Who are you going to love above all? Yourself, fame, riches, power, or God? And the instruction of God, the instruction of Jesus is love God above all. Number two, love your neighbor. But it's interesting. It doesn't say just love your neighbor. It says love your neighbor as yourself. You know what? Today, we are more connected to people than ever. Most of you are sitting over here. You've got all smartphones. And you've got friends from all over the place. I'm connected with people from different parts of the world. We are more connected than ever. And yet, <laughs> we are more isolated than ever. Hmm? We live locked up in our homes with big fences and big security. and you know, People hardly know their neighbors. Gone are the days where somebody moves in, you go there with a little bowl of biscuits or some food or something and, and get to know them. In fact, these days, if somebody comes knocking at the door with a bowl of food, you're going to say, whoa, what's this? You, you might receive it, but you're not going to eat it. Because we are so suspicious of everybody. We are so afraid. We are so isolated. And so it's become a major challenge to love your neighbor. But the Bible says, love your neighbor. Jesus said there is no greater commandment than these two. Love God, love your neighbor. And now that scribe that asked the question to Jesus, he agreed. And he said this is better than all the burnt offerings together. In fact, you know, the Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 13, verse 10, he said that love, love is the greatest Commandment, because if you have love, you do no harm to your neighbor. Paul said, love is the fulfillment of the law. Take all the law. Take the Ten Commandments. Take all the other rules and regulations they've got. Take the law of any country. Take the law of South Africa. Okay? What you can, what you can't do. If you live by the law of love, one commandment only. If you live by the law of love, you fulfill all the law. Why? Because if I love you, I won't steal from you. If I love you, I won't insult you. At least not on purpose. I could say something stupid and you get offended, but when you come to me because I love you, I'm going to apologize and I'm going to make it right. Hello? If I love you, I'm going to respect you. If I love you, I'm not going to be jealous of you. If I love you, I'm not going to try and get to the top of anything of my, of my company, of my school grades, or of my position. I won't try to get to the top by pushing other people down. Hello? Paul says, love is the fulfillment of all the law. If we could only get people to love each other, the cops would have no work to do. The prisons would be empty. Because if every prisoner today began to live by the law of love, they're going to be loving each other even in the prison. Within a couple of years, they're going to be released because they're so good. They're not trying to kill each other in the prison and trying to do all the nasty things they do in prison. There'll be no drug dealers going around. Schools will actually be safe places. 
Parks will be safe places. Homes will be safe places. If we can live by love. Love is the fulfillment of all the law people. Now, love your neighbor is something that we all should do. You watching, you listening, you sitting, sitting over here, all of us, we are called to love our neighbor. But the question now is, who is your neighbor? So number one, love God above all. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Number three, who is your neighbor? The answer is that your neighbor is everyone who is an image bearer. Let me explain that. Your neighbor is everyone who is an image bearer. You see, when, when God created man, we go there back to the book of Genesis chapter 1, around verse 26. We read that God said, let us make man in our image and likeness. Okay? And so God made us according to his image. So God, the form of God and and the being of God and, and the consistency of God and the way that God works, it looks something like us, only a little bit bigger and a little bit more powerful. So God made us to look something like him. So in all our diversity of all the different nations and ethnicities and so on, all of us are a reflection of his image. Therefore, you are an image bearer of God. I am an image bearer of God. And if you see another image bearer of God, you ought to love that person. Huh? Think about it. Jesus shows us who our neighbor is in the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. A Pharisee once tried to trick Jesus by asking him what's the greatest commandment. And when Jesus gave the answer similar to this guy that you just read now, the Pharisee asked, well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? <laughs> you must remember that in the time of Jesus, they were living in, in quite a, a complex situation. Multi-ethnic, different political parties. There was tension. There were Jews. There were Greeks. There were Romans. There were other nationalities. And everybody was there in Jerusalem. And everybody was trying to fight for power. The Jews wanted to be free from all these other nations because they believe that Jerusalem is theirs. They are the people of God. They don't want to, these Romans ruling over them. They don't want the Greeks and the philosophies. And there was this idea among them that they must have honor amongst themselves. Everybody else here. And so this guy wants now to, Jesus to explain that. So who's my neighbor? And he was probably expecting 
Jesus to answer, oh, come on, man, you know your neighbor is every other Jew around you. <laughs> well, Jesus didn't give him a straight answer. He tells him a story. <laughs> As often, Jesus often did. People asked him questions and he told them stories. You know people like that? <laughs> and so he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, he tells the story of a man who was attacked. He was on his way to Jericho and he got attacked by thieves. And they took his clothes, took his belongings, and he left him, on, left him on the road for dead. Soon after that, a priest comes past, looks at this guy, and goes way around and, and, and goes away. Just now, a Levite comes past, sees him, and, and on his way. Now, both the priest and the Levite were Jews. They were holy men. They were men who knew the law. <laughs> huh? Who knew the Shema. Love the Lord your God, you know, and so on and so on. Who knew the commandments of God? The third guy to come by is a Samaritan. And when he saw the man, he, he stopped. He took pity on him. He put some oil and, and, and wine on his wounds. Wine to disinfect. Oil to, to, you know, to bring some healing and soothing. He took, he took him to an inn. Little, you know, roadside hotel in those days. And uh, took care of the man over there, gave the owner some money to continue looking after the man. He says, listen, if you spend any more money on my way back, I'll pop in here and I'll pay you the difference. And then when Jesus concludes his story, he says in Luke chapter 10, verses 36 or 37. So Jesus says, so which of these three, the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And the Pharisee responded and said, well, he who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus says, then you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. Except there's a little problem over here, people, which we don't realize because we are not living in the first century. And we are not Jews. But you see, the Pharisee was a Jew. Jesus tells a story about a man who was in trouble and two Jews go past and don't help him. The third guy is a Samaritan. Samaritan were half-breeds. When the Israelites were taken away to Babylon, some Israelites remained behind in the, in, 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 in the, in the area. And they married other nationalities. So they're like half-breeds. And to the Jews, to the pure Jews, they rejected the Samaritans. They didn't want anything to these guys. They didn't acknowledge them as Jews. They were second-class or maybe third-class citizens. And that's why it was so confusing for the disciples when Jesus went to speak to a Samaritan woman, Nuhal. Because it was a big problem for the Jews. And now in this story, just to put salt in the wound, Jesus tells a story where a Samaritan is the hero. The bad guy. The ethnic group which you have nothing to do with. And he's the hero of the story. He's the one loving his neighbor. Oof. Now, we, we could bring the story right now to 2022, couldn't we? And look what's happening in the world. Have you seen how much ethnic fighting is going on? It's not a South African problem, people. It's an international problem. It's happening in Europe. It's happening in America, United States. Have you seen it? It's happening all over the world. People rejecting 
other nationalities. Just because they are different to their nationality. Just because their skin is a different pigmentation. Just because they were born in a different part of the world. They get rejected. Jesus here, in this parable, his answer is clear. We must acknowledge our neighbor as anyone and everyone. Ouch. Not just the people from my tribe, from my village, from my nation, from my skin color, from my language group. Hello? Jesus didn't make any specifications about our neighbors. We should love our neighbors of different ethnicities, different religions. Different political standings. Oh, come on. Must I really love people from that political party? Yes. Not because they belong to that party or not, but because with all their baggage, they remain what? Image bearers. And we are to love what? Image bearers. With baggage and all. Why? Because God loves his image bearers. With baggage and all. And some of you had a lot of baggage when you came to Jesus. Some of you, by God's mercy, and maybe because you were brought up by godly parents, you had less baggage. But the fact is, whether you had a lot of baggage or a little baggage, you have baggage. You had baggage. You still have some baggage. Uh-huh. And God loves you. And so he says, if I can love you, you can love them. Because I love them. Don't you? You go, mm. so, we should love our neighbors. <laughs> Listen, even that neighbor which shouts for another soccer or rugby team. Even that guy, even that girl. Come on. They still image bearers. And sorry, pal, you have to love them. Oh, it's okay if you sit far from them during the game, but you got to love them, okay? Love your neighbor. There is no qualification. You see, the, the, the issue isn't who is our neighbor and who is not our neighbor. The issue isn't who are we supposed to love. The issue is our hearts. Who are we? And if I'm a child of God, and if I've got the love of God inside me, I better be loving people around me. The question is, are we willing to show love, mercy, and compassion? Hmm. Or are we going to get caught up in the who we should help and who we should love? And how often am I supposed to love? I've said hello to that person. I've been a one person, one new person. I said hello to them. That's it. I've done my bit for the day. 
I don't have to greet anybody else. I don't have to be kind to anybody else. I've done my duty for today. That's not an issue. The issue is, are we simply going to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us? Because believe me, even in loving our neighbor, we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. We'll get to that just now. But are we simply going to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us so that we can touch somebody's life with the love of God? Of all the people who passed by that struggling man, it was the good Samaritan. Like I said, the one so often hated and despised by the Jews in those days. He was the one who loved his neighbor in the way he should. Someone noted that the, the, the road that the Samaritan traveled was dangerous. It's possible that the priest and the Levite, they looked at the man on the ground and, and wondered, is he really hurt? Uh, are the thieves still around? The thieves that got him, are they still around? And when I stop, they're going to get me? Or, or maybe, is he the thief posing as a, as a wounded man? And then when I approach him, he's going to attack me and take all I've got? These are valid points, valid questions. And maybe they thought about that and, and they moved on. You see, the, the priest and the Levite, they, they might have asked, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? The Samaritan changed the question around. He flipped it. He said, if I do not stop to help this man, what is going to happen to him? You see, every image bearer is a neighbor. Anyone and everyone is your neighbor. Look around you. Just take a look right now. Look around in the church. And those of you, you know, on, 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 online, look around the people around you. Maybe if you don't have people around you, even around you, think of people that you, next where you live. Think of your neighbors. They're the flat, the house, and so on. Think of people you work with. Think of when you go to shops, the people you meet. Those are your neighbors. The people you sit when you go on public transport. The people when you drive around and stop at the robot, you look at all those little heads in the cars. Those are your neighbors. Now, some of these neighbors that you know, some of them have become your friends. Some of these neighbors are family to you. Someone who once was just a neighbor to you, today is probably your spouse, your husband or your wife. Yeah. Once upon a time, dear was just a neighbor to me. <laughs> and I loved my neighbor. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's another ball game. We'll get to that, okay? But it all starts by loving your neighbor. You see, it's from there that all the other relationships and all the other loves will emanate. Because believe me, had I not loved that lady as a neighbor, she would never accept me as a friend, as a boyfriend, as a fiancé. I was looking for the word. Eventually as a husband, hallelujah, right? It all starts with loving your neighbor. If you're a lousy neighbor, nobody wants to get close to you. They'll love you at a distance, they might greet you, they might help you if you need, but nobody wants to get close to you. So loving your neighbor well is the beginning point of all relationships, isn't it? 
It is so strange how sometimes we can love a stranger. We'll go past, we'll give them money, we, we help them with some clothes and so forth. And then we sit in church and we struggle to love that brother and that sister two rows away. Just because we know they did something stupid or they said something silly. Or they didn't greet me when they arrived in church this morning. No, 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 no. Or yeah, I struggle to love that other friend of mine who's also a Christian, but he goes to a, another church and they do funny things there. Oh, I can't love that man. I can't love that woman. Hello? Love your neighbor. Be merciful. Be kind. You don't have to agree with your neighbors. You don't have to like everything about your neighbors. But you must love them. Have mercy on them. Pray for them. Well, fact is this then. How do we love our neighbor? That's the question. Okay, so we know that our neighbor is everybody. Every image bearer. So there it is. That's your neighbor. But now, how do we love our neighbor? Very quickly. There is no single method or simple answer. Simply because people are complex and relationships are complex. But here are a few guidelines. According to the story that Jesus told of the, told of the Samaritan, Loving your neighbor includes showing mercy to other image bearers. So whenever you can, you see somebody in need and you are able to help, well, you help. You know, Jesus cared. Remember when in, in our previous series we mentioned that. That was a hallmark of Jesus which actually attracted criticism to him. Because Jesus cared. And he went to the people in the margins of society and he was criticized for that. He was hanging out with the wrong crowd. He was criticized for that. Why? Simply because Jesus cared. He cared for the people that nobody cared about. And we are called to do the same. Jesus cared, and so must we. Treat our neighbors the way we treat ourselves. Huh? The reason we take such good care of ourselves is because we actually love ourselves, don't we? <laughs> All right? And, and so because we love ourselves, when we're hungry, we eat. You know, when we're cold, we clothe ourselves. We don't deprive ourselves of necessities. When we're dirty, we bath. And so, generally speaking, we care for ourselves, our bodies, and our minds. And that should, be, should drive us, should help us. To treat others in the same way as we treat ourselves. If we have these needs, others have these needs as well. And if we can help them to meet those needs when you know that they are struggling to meet those needs, let's help when we can, as we can. Now listen. If you have no healthy self-love and self-respect, it will reflect in the way you treat others. You see, Jesus is very clear. Love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, guys. There's a lot of self-hating going on these days. There's a lot of people thinking, ah, I'm worth nothing. I'm good for nothing. I'm not as good as that. I'm not as famous as that. And of course, all the rubbish going on in social media. In a world that says, if you want to be beautiful, you've got to look like this. Your hair must be like that. Your clothes must be like this. Your shoes must be that brand. And of course, your telephone must be this make. 
And if you don't meet all those standards, you say, who am I? I'm nothing, man. Nobody likes me. My friends don't like me because I don't have this. and that. It's a lie from the devil. Because you are made in the image of God. And the God of the universe loves you and has given you purpose, has given you gifts and abilities. And if we would love God first and receive from Him our sense of value, of purpose, of being, your life would be so much fuller. And if you love others the way that God requires us, but it's not easy, Pastor. Of course it's not easy. Changing this world, becoming people that are accused of turning the world upside down, there's a cost, there's a price. And I think we covered that last month in our series. It is not easy to be a follower of Christ. And yes, you will meet some resistance, but the consequences, the rewards are far greater. Because there is nothing greater than you reaching out and seeing a life being changed because you took the trouble to love that person, to talk to that person, to help that person. And that person whom you're helping, they don't care what kind of phone you've got or what kind of tackies you wear. They just remember that they were loved by you. Hmm? And so we need to have healthy self-love. You've got to be able to in the morning get up, look into that mirror, and tell that person sitting back at you, hey, I love you, man. You are made in the image of God. And God has given you abilities which nobody else has. Only you have. And you don't have to be like the magazine covers. You don't have to wear the latest fashions. You don't have to have the latest gadgets. You are beautiful the way you are. You are valuable the way you are. Have, you need to have that conversation with the mirror sometimes, guys. And let the rubbish that the world pumps into your ears out. Because they are lies of the devil. They were trying to manipulate you into the image that the world wants. Just to be squashed again by the world. Because the world does not love you. The devil does not love you. I don't care how many promises he makes to you. He wants to kill you. But God loves you. And so he says, love yourself in a healthy way. Love yourself in a healthy way. Then you can love others in a healthy way. Let the Holy Spirit talk with you further on that one. You see, agape or agapeo is a willful love. It is a, a, a determined love that generously chooses for the interest of others. It, it is the love that wants the best for the other, not for yourself. Agape is an unselfish kind of love. And, and this was illustrated because to love your neighbor requires awareness. Listen, requires awareness, effort, engagement, fearlessness, and sometimes sacrifice. And all these things are illustrated in the story of the Good Samaritan. He had to overcome his fear to stop and help a stranger. He sacrificed of himself and of his goods. He was aware of his surroundings. He took effort and engagement. You cannot love your neighbor without somehow engaging with your neighbor. And so this agape love of God must be demonstrated. Then it comes from an awareness of a knowledge. It comes from knowing 
the true God and his greatness and grace. If you don't know God and his greatness and grace, what reference do you have for agape love? Because the world does not teach you agape love. The love that the world teach you, teaches you is the what's in it for me kind of love. Yeah, I'll go with you. I'll help you. What's in it for me? Of course, folks, and this is important, as we love others, we must exercise caution. We must understand that you're living in evil days. You must understand the seasons that we are living in, the times you are living in. So do not compromise you or your family's safety while trying to do good. Even in loving our neighbor, we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, help others, give to others, go the second mile, it's not a blanket statement for every single person that asks you for help. I often said, if I'm going to give money to every corner where there's a person asking for money, by the time I get home, I'm going to be the guy standing in the corner. Because I, they, we don't have enough. You and I don't have enough to meet up all the needs just on your way home. <laughs> so we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We need to be wise in our help. Furthermore, a lot of people that you think you are helping, you're actually destroying. Because they're using that money for self-destruction. I.e. drugs and other things like that. It's been a challenge being in the ministry and helping people. And as I've connected with organizations in the community, it, it, they, there must be rules, regulations, boundaries. Because people have become abusive as well of Christians and of the church. I have fallen prey. Maybe some of you have fallen prey as well. To people who come with long, soppy stories and it seems so sincere. Meantime, they're just trying to get something from you. They want to play on your emotions. And some, sometimes people have become like shocked at my reaction when I sometimes chase people away. <laughs> because I know those people. They always one story today. Next week, they in another play the same story. Then they will do the same story. And if we help those people, you're keeping them in bondage. So we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But if the Holy Spirit talks to you, don't resist Him. And if the Spirit talks to you and you help people and then you find out that they did something stupid, it's not on you. Because you see, when you help people, yes, I'm helping my neighbor, but I'm doing it unto the Lord. Because the Bible says, everything I do, I must do it unto the Lord. Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. So when I love my neighbor, it is an expression of my love for God. So I'm not doing it to my neighbor, I'm actually doing it for God. And God is the one who rewards me, not my neighbor. <laughs> anyway. But people, please, you must become aware and allow God to lead us even in this. Helping others is not letting them take advantage of you. Giving your help, give or help, according to the wisdom that God has given, given you. Going the extra mile does not mean you will give everything you have. The good Samaritan, he helped with what he had, but not with everything he had. 
with what he could, he helped. And then he moved on with his life. Start by becoming aware of who your neighbors are, where you live, where you work, where you go to school, where you shop, and be available to respond to the whispers of the Holy Spirit when He guides you to do or to say something unusual or spontaneous. Amen? Listen, folks. Love is a difficult thing for sinful people like us to grasp. The Apostle John, he tried to explain God's love for us in his letters. He knew Jesus spiritually, but also personally. He lived with Jesus. And he was there to experience firsthand the love of our Savior. And he tried to communicate this to others through his letters. This infinite love of God for man is difficult for us to comprehend. In our sinful flesh, our tendency is to be vengeful. Our tendency is to hold grudges. We are able to hurt those closest to us. And we are able to hurt strangers. Regardless of how good we may be today, we are still sinful men and women. No matter how much God has helped you to progress and grow, we still remain sinful people until we meet Him, until we see Him face to face, until we are changed. And so we need to allow the Holy Spirit to allow His love to flow through us to others. Love can be expressed even to those we do not know. Jesus offered Himself a sacrifice for the sins of others. And we can experience the joy of love because we know the story and the impact of His coming. But it may be more important for us now to show this love and help others who don't know Jesus to get to experience His love by being examples of that love to, the, to others. The church can be an amazing place when it is working as it is supposed to. When you and I, when all of us are functioning the way we are supposed to function, the church can be a wonderful place. It's when we start treating each other as if our brothers and sisters were Christ himself. Because aren't we his image? Isn't the Holy Spirit inside each other? So if I treat Christ with respect, why shouldn't I treat you with the same respect? Imagine what would happen if we started treating, treating each other with the same love and respect we have towards Christ. Hmm. Yeah. When we are following the command that Jesus left, love your neighbor as yourself, amazing things can happen. Love should not be a strange thing to us as his church. Through the caring for one another, we can spread the love of Christ and create a nurturing climate. Our actions often speak louder than our words. Whether we realize it or not, the world is watching us, observing us. They are paying attention. And as Christians, we should express love by caring for one another, listening to what people are actually saying, and by taking time out out of our busy lives, trying to make a difference. The life that we live here on earth is a temporary existence when compared 
to the eternal salvation of heaven. So let's live our life here with our minds into where we are going. And therefore, we will treasure people more than things because things are staying behind. People are going on to eternity. And I know where I'm going, but what about the people around me? Maybe through my paying a little bit of attention to them, giving them some comfort, some love, some encouragement, maybe I can help them to find Jesus too. And I can either lead them to having eternal life or strengthen their faith. There are many Christians around us who are feeling weak, who are feeling despondent, who are beginning to question their faith. And by you taking time to hear the Holy Spirit and coming alongside them with a little word of encouragement, a simple thing, a simple act of love, you could reignite their faith again, restore their confidence in God, and help them to get into eternity with us. God loved us so much. He gave his only begotten son to die for us. He showed us his love by sending Jesus to pay the price for our sins. During his life on earth, Jesus was the example of love. He showed compassion and mercy for those who needed it and offered forgiveness to the repentant. He also explained the standard of love we are to share with others. Love your neighbor as yourself. Man, we may not always find it easy. To follow this command. But we should make every attempt to treat even total strangers with a spirit of love and compassion in everything we do. Listen, God did not ignore us when we stumbled in sin. He offered his hand to help us get back on our feet. So let us not ignore our neighbors, but rather love them with the love of Christ. Amen? Love your neighbor. Let's stand up. Let us pray. <clears throat> Thank you, Father, for your great love for us. You know, if you are here, if you are watching, if you are listening, It'll be difficult to have any idea of how this love works unless you have experienced the love of God in your life. And if you have not surrendered your life to Christ, now is a good time. Say, Lord Jesus, I need this kind of love. I need this kind of unconditional love. I need you as my Savior, Lord Jesus. Come into my life. Forgive me. I put my trust in you today as my Savior. Those simple words, I say them from your heart, and that can start a powerful journey between you and the Lord. I pray, Father, that every person watching, present, hearing, listening, Lord God, will be embraced by your love, Lord. Help us to, first of all, understand your love for us. Have a sense of your love for us. Help us to be aware of how much you love us, my God. And then help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Father, I pray for that person who's struggling to love themselves because of social pressures or peer pressures or disappointments in life or even mistakes they may have done. Lord, show them your love and compassion today, Lord. Help them to receive your forgiveness. 
Help them to forgive themselves even, Lord. So that with a healthy love for ourselves, we can love those around us. Give us your strength and your wisdom. Holy Spirit, please come and guide each one of us. Each and every one of us, Lord. As to how to love our neighbors well. Use us, Lord. To influence lives around us. To help people come closer to Jesus. Or to strengthen the faith of our brothers and sisters. Because of our neighborly love, Lord. So now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain with each one of us, leading us, guiding us, strengthening us, helping us to be aware of those around us giving us the wisdom and the practical steps to loving our neighbors, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Wow, may the Lord help you this week to become aware of neighbors, who your neighbors are. Become aware of it and and. And look for an opportunity. Do something you haven't done before. Something different. Next week we're getting together again. We're going to have communion. And we're going to talk about another kind of love. Amen. See you then. Have a wonderful Sunday and a blessed week. God bless you.